are now watching Music of Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned yourself into another episode of Music the Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, as always, Music the Lifebloods' own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter. Carter, how are things? Things are good, man. How are you doing? We've, we've had an interesting pre-show discussion tonight. Mm-hmm. As always. The, par- the perils of music collecting, right? Uh, yep. Okay, so we I've uh, we, I got a good place for us to start. Okay. Because this has never came up on conversations from the pit before. Okay. Are you ready? Um. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I have right. much of a choice. <laughs> oh, there we are. I like this one. All right. So, Ronnie. Or Ozzy? Rozzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It's funny. I I can't I can't choose I can't choose one side like completely over the other because there's parts of the Ozzy era that are fucking just like monumental to me, but there's some fucking complete garbage that came out from the Ozzy era. <laughs> And then like the and then Dio is Dio fucking just re-energized that band. And then I think that like fizzled out on some things that I thought would actually be a lot better than they, you know, than they ended up being. So it's weird, man. It's a it's a real weird roller coaster with me with, with Sabbath. Because those two albums actually the first Dio uh, Sabbath album I ever um, heard and owned was Mob Rules. I still have my yeah, I, I still have my um, my vinyl copy of that from a hundred years ago, and it's fucking awesome. And then like, but I mean, it's just kind of like Tony Iommi. Um, it's it's weird how I think his his riffs changed, you know. But he, I, call it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Ronnie knows how to play guitar, man. That's Ronnie, the, that, Ronnie yeah. knows how to play guitar. Ronnie James Dio can pick up a guitar and make it go, and he's pretty damn good. Or he so was. He, he was pretty damn good. He pl- he played on the Sabbath albums. No, no, but oh. he. I think I think here. Okay, so I am Ronnie James Dio all the way, hundred okay. percent. No fucks given. I am not bashful about it. I think I think the Dio era of Sabbath blows the entirety of the Aussie era Sabbath out of the water. Hmm. Period. Okay. Feel free to fight me. Well, I think that the, <laughs> uh, I think that the first four Sabbath albums um, smoke like nine tenths of what came out like fifteen years following. Those fucking albums are just so. They're just like to me. They, they, uh, they were so just a product of like. Oops, I guess that happened. Rad. Record it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, so much of it was by accident. I swear to God, dude. And that's one thing I love. That's one thing I love about the first four Sabbath albums. In the same way that I love Black Flag, because they were like it was. They were very much like victims of circumstance and, sure. and, and environment. You know what I mean? Yep. And the thing and the thing of it is, I've heard I've heard different stories. Like uh, people say, 
uh, Black Sabbath sounds the way they do because I only cut off his fingertips and he had to tune down, so they played lower. And then I hear stories from people say, like, hey, you know, people love horror movies. They love being scared. What if we were, did music that did what horror movies did? Sure. That's an old story I heard, too. So, yeah. But at the same time, though, it's kind of like they, you know, as everyone, you know, if anybody kind of pays attention, you know, the, the, the least bit of Sabbath, they were just a blues band that just like the fucking play blues. They were into fucking, you know, like Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and stuff, you know. And, uh, um, but they were also like, they were into psychedelics. You know what I mean? So they would basically do it like an, it was, you know, you people talk about like, you know, acid rock and acid jazz. Sure. Well, they were, they were like the first real like acid blues band, really, you know, and it was like a bad, heavy, dark, fucking evil trip that they were on. Yeah, but, it's, I mean, it's obviously rooted in 12 bar blues. Yeah, but the, sure, the, for sure. I think honestly, and it, the reason why the, the Dio shit era is, is so strong is because they were at a point where like Tony was becoming a better musician and he was able to do stuff then that he couldn't do back in the beginning of Sabbath, I believe. You know what I mean? And uh, then, yeah, you know, yeah. I think, well, I think the, I think the thing that most people don't think about when it comes to the Dio era of Sabbath is that there was a paradigm shift in the way everything was written mm -hmm. because you had, you had most riffage emanating from Tony during yeah. the Aussie era, almost all lyrics emanating from geezer during the Aussie era. And then Bill, you know, Bill, given his input, what, what, you know, whatever it is Bill's doing. And I'm not saying this, I'm not saying that to minimize Bill because Bill is just as important as Sabbath as what Tony is. Yeah. And then Ozzy, Ozzy, everybody always talks about Ozzy with vocal melodies and things like that. And I'll give him that, you know, Ozzy's got a great sense of melody in that regard. But you get Ronnie James Dio in there and Tony continues to write music, you can pretty easily spot an Iomi riff from a mile away. Yeah. But Ronnie, who is a prolific lyricist, to put it lightly, and on top of that, Ronnie's got some serious musical talent that Ozzy didn't have because Ozzy doesn't play any instruments. You know, a little bit of harmonica, you know that but ronnie's a ronnie was a well-developed and well-developed all-around musician period and so i think i see i see it most notably when you stand heaven and hell next to the self-titled the first album mm -hmm. it's most noticeable there in my opinion because it's it's the first offering from a group of people and re to realistically bill bill drum on heaven and hell he is there but bill has very little recollection of it and geezer split right at the beginning of those sessions so realistically it's it's bill just keeping time the best he can and then everything else emanating from tony and dio yeah. And it's a huge, huge paradigm shift within the Sabbath sound. And you can, to me, you can credit, you can credit a lot of that growth to Ronnie James Dio's. I mean, look what Ronnie was doing prior to Sabbath. You know, Elf was a great band. An mm -hmm. absolute, absolutely, you know, great proto metal band. And then Rainbow. Yeah. 
like Ronnie's era of Rainbow is, in my opinion, better than most of Deep Purple's catalog. Oh, fuck it. Okay. I can't stomach any Rainbow without Dio on vocals. Not even Graham, not even Graham Bonnet? No, I can't stand it, dude. It's just, it's so, it's just, it's like, okay, you know how like uh, um, Bad Company um, was a um, continuation more or less of Free, you know what I mean? Like, so Free, they did their thing and then Bad Company is like, oh, fuck, if you like Free, Bad Company, da, da, da. They're supposed to be this hot rock band, blah, blah, blah. Supposed to be so fucking in your face, bad boys, da, da, da. And um, the vocals of Bad Company, to me, they... What the fuck was the singer from Bad Company's name? I, I'm totally spacing his name. Um, singer what's from Bad Company. What's uh, his name? He filled in for Queen for a while. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, Rob something? Fucking... Anyway. But, okay. His vocal style, right? Like to me, I think he influenced so many people um, in the in in the in the seventies, and there kind of became this staple. Like if you're a rock singer, you got to sound like this. You got to sound like the dude from Free and Bad Company. Paul you Rogers. Know, Paul Rogers. Okay, so to me, that's like growing up. You know, I'm I'm gonna be 45 next month, and like rock radio. Ever since I was a real little kid, like five, five or six years old, I would hear like um, you know Bad Company, and then I would then I would hear like uh, Stone Cold, you know, um, and just stuff like that. And to me, it was just even at a young age, it was it was bland. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Kiss. It wasn't Quiet Riot. It wasn't Michael Jackson. Sure. It wasn't Duran Duran. It was like this is old dude. This is just old dude shit, right? <laughs> You know, and so, like, the, the thing of it is, man, like, with Sabbath, I like the original Sabbath, and I honestly, this is going to, people are going to fucking probably send me, like, death threats, but I've always thought Ozzy sucks, sucked. <laughs> what, well, Ozzy on his own? Yeah, well, Ozzy as a guy, thing, person, everything, he just fucking sucked. He, he accidentally ended up singing for Black Sabbath. I mean, because when I listen to early Black Sabbath, I don't fucking listen to Ozzy. I really don't. I listen to the music, and it's weird. I was listening to the... I got the first album on vinyl. I was listening to it, and I realized... I'm like, holy... I'm like, I'm not even listening to the fucking vocals. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of things that Ozzy's been involved with that I mm -hmm. like. Yeah. But Ozzy... I mean, and I'm not even saying this, to you know, as part of the whole deal versus Ozzy thing. Ozzy just sucks. He just fucking sucks. He he's had Randy Rhodes, um, Zach Wild, Jake right. Lee, all these people, all these people always propping him up. When he was in Black Sabbath, he had those guys propping him up. Him and Bill Ward were best friends. If it wasn't for fucking Bill, I don't think Ozzy would have shown up to nine tenths of the fucking practices. He was a fucking mess. He was out of control. Yada yada. He got propped up by everything. But. The thing of it is, though, his vocals were attached to some of the most important music ever, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and when I say he sucks and whatever, it's just kind of like, okay, well, let's think about this. Other than sounding like he's got a bunch of fucking phlegm in the back of his throat from drinking too much milk as he, as he fucking tries to belt out these harmonies, I mean, he, there's nothing really unique or really important to, to his vocal style, really. It's just, it's just kind of like, if, 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 if he didn't have the people that he's playing with, he wouldn't be shit. You take Dio, 
Dio fucking up the game for, right. for Black Sabbath. And, right. and, 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 I, and I know it's a stupid fucking way to compare it, but I'm just kind of saying what Dio brought to Sabbath, Ozzy could never, ever fucking bring to Sabbath. Ozzy was part of the team. They were a fucking like a, a unit. They did, they, did their, they did their thing, right? The thing about uh, Ozzy Sabbath was it was accidental and they fucking, they, they tried for the hardest time to keep it on the rails and it fucking fell apart and they kicked them out, right? right so right. what you got of the Ozzy era was all you were going to fucking get because it, it went out of control almost from the fucking beginning, yeah. you know? But there's a certain awesomeness to that, though, that I love. There's a certain yeah. There's yeah. There's the the sort of um, you know the this the sort of Ace Freely Peter Chris effect. Yes. You know where uh-huh. there's some there's some that sort of like rock and roll. It's about it might come off the rails. You know that it's, that it, sort of yeah. swagger and things like that. It's, yeah. It's dan- It's danger. So many of these fucking bands that were like that, they, they were able to be dangerous because they had a manager and a lawyer and an accountant that could clean up the mess. So they, woohoo, we're going to go do all this fucking crazy fucking shit, right? And then like, but the thing of it is, that's one thing I do love about early Sabbath. That there was a very punk rock, you know, crazy element to what they were doing. True. Because if you think about it, they, nobody else was doing what they were doing because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Because everything on the first two albums was pretty much kind of like what they learned in the clubs, just playing blues, and they kind of developed their own thing, right? So the first couple albums, it's just kind of like, okay, you know, we're just going to keep playing blues, but we're going to put our own stamp on it. So I like the fact that Ozzy, in comparison, sucks, you know, at a lot of things, and he's a fucking total mess. And I like the fact that, like, they sounded like a blues band that was about ready to fucking fall apart at any moment, right? I... You know, for for me, for me, I don't I don't want to interrupt you, but no, you're good. for for me, I think the <laughs> I don't know that I would say that Ozzy sucks. I don't know what I would I don't know that I would say that, but I'm a Kiss fan. So and I've also been in bands myself. I'm long since retired, but I've been around people that are extremely difficult to deal with. Yes. Especially in a creative capacity. And then can't imagine what it what it's like to deal with those kind of people once that that creative capacity rolls over into a business and a professional capacity. So I I would say I don't know that I would say that Ozzy sucks for me. I wouldn't say that. I would say I could understand why people would be endlessly frustrated with dealing with Ozzy. Um hundred percent. And and but 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 I really like, I really like some of the quote unquote Aussie stuff. His solo quote unquote solo stuff, because um, <laughs> it's not really solo, is it? <laughs> no. See, that's okay, the, and that's it. That's the thing that bums me out because when you do talk about Ozzy Osbourne, a lot of us always end up going, "Well, he and Sharon have kind of screwed some people over." Oh yeah. Know? Yeah, and it yeah, makes yeah. it makes it hard. It makes it makes it hard to to, you know, as as both of you and I are black metal fans, you know, and both you and I are sketchy black metal fans <laughs> all day. <laughs> <laughs> and and when 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 you're a fan of of a lot of the black metal that you and I like, sometimes you got to go. Well, the things that guy said is dumb. 
Yep. <laughs> but, but I sure do like this album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You have to, yeah. you have to be able to separate art from artists, but I, that's the frustrating thing that always bothers me. And I sometimes wonder if it has some sort of like, um, it's almost like has an echo effect into, into my music fandom to where I go, yeah, Black Sabbath is cool, but fucking heaven and hell though, you know, yeah. that, that sort of thing, because I go, well, eh. <laughs> <laughs> when it, when it comes to what Ozzy would go on to do after the fact. And that really bums me out because you got guys like Jakey e. Lee who is out there still just slugging away, you know, at a, at a quote unquote solo band. And, and, and to me, ultimate sin and bark at the moon are the two best Aussie albums ever released. Diary of the Madman, in hindsight, like you hear the songs that are on the radio and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. you listen to the album as a whole, there's some real kind of like disjointed like songwriting and sequencing on that album, you know, and like it's 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 just rough. And even to an extent, Bark at the Moon. And some of those albums, they have their standout songs that like, okay, well, you know, there's like three songs that are complete garbage, but the rest are all bangers. And that's the thing that I think with us growing up in the 80s and the 90s, we were sort of forced to kind of just deal with that with some, with some things. Because think about it, like almost every album, you know, for about since the, like from about, this, you know, the mid 70s to the fucking mid 2000s every metal band or heavy band that wasn't like an extreme music had to have a ballad. You know what I mean? You know, just for, just for, just for an example, you know, their albums, they would have to have their, their slow song or their acoustic song on it. You know what I'm saying? And they were always sequenced whereas kind of like the third track on the album would be their single, you know, certain rules that, that they, that bands kind of like had to follow and then it became the standard and then it became uh, something that just people just force themselves to follow, and then after a while they don't follow it anymore. It's like okay, well, we're, you know, we're we're not going to just do it anymore because sure. you know, like 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 with Pantera, like they had you know, um, you know, this love and Cemetery Gates, you know, and then after that they didn't have any fucking songs like that. You know what I mean? So it's just you see it kind of evolve. And so like like with a band like Black Sabbath, getting back to what I was saying about like you know Ozzy quote unquote sucks. The thing of it is is, you know, the thing that. I love and a lot of people love about that early era Black Sabbath and the Aussie Aussie Black Sabbath is it's fucking like it's so interesting because you can catch the vibe of how out of control it is when you listen to them and you see them live. I mean, I, I've seen footage from like 1973 where the whole band is wearing like the brightest colors possible. Aussie's got the tassels on the jacket, gold boots. Uh, Iomi's hair is short with a mustache. They don't and they just fucking don't look like Black Sabbath at all. But on stage, they are rocking their cocaine balls off like sure. hard, and they're so good. They're so fucking good, and like right. because they're just they're they're at their at their peak, right? Like I think it was the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath uh, tour um, is when they were really kind of like when they looked like that. They looked they were fucking they weren't like you know wearing like you know dark brown hippie clothes and shit like that. They were straight up like a lot of white and gold and well, you know, and, I mean, you know? give, give, given the given the era, especially. Yeah in the UK Slade and absolutely and, and Bowie were sort of dictating the visuals yeah. uh, to, to it's, it's just interesting. It's interesting to me how we rolled from um, psychedelic rock into glitter yeah, and glam glam specifically. And then 
that rolled into metal eventually. It's it's really really interesting. But I think it's I always think of that um, that black and white video of Slade doing "Come on, fill the noise." It looks like they're in an empty pool. Yeah, like I I don't know, but it, <laughs> but like it's it's. <laughs> It's barely, just barely a music video. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just barely. It's just four drug dudes, like, miming a song. And then at one point, they turn around and shake their butts. Like, it's just, it's yeah. more It's more like your drunk uncle and his friends. <laughs> See, what, what, I heard, what I heard about that, actually, I heard a story about that video, is something, and I, I could be completely fucking wrong. This is just what I heard, that, like, it was filmed on a property owned by somebody from like the record label and they had to do a promo and like naughty holder and those guys were just fucking just twacked out of their minds on whatever and because th they're actually like um english if, if, if they didn't have the fucking like the you know the the, the bull cut bangs and shit like that like, they were basically they're basically skinheads they're like soccer hooligan, hooligan guys sure. they were fucking like tough ass fucking english dudes and they were just big time drinker dudes or whatever. And the if you you could put Slade in ACDC's clothes and it would work. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And yeah. so just like you were saying, like there's just so much. It's like there was a certain era of the 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 mid 70s where like people were like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. The hippie era is <laughs> the, the hippie era is over, so you right. can't look like a hippie anymore. Right, so right. The, so you got to do something with your look. So there's this middle era, but what's weird is when when you listen to Black Sabbath from that era, I'm still picturing Ozzy in a fucking you know in a in a green Salvation Army fucking you know army jacket with greasy hair you know and fucking you know geezer with his hair over his face. You see footage and they're all their eyes are fucking bugged out from cocaine <laughs> and they're wearing bright colors and shit. And right. it's 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 so awesome because you see that footage from then and they're rocking out live. I mean like. Tony Iommi is moving all over the fucking stage. Ozzy right. won't stop headbanging and fucking, you know, Bill Ward's beating the shit out of his fucking kit shirtless and stuff like that. But like what you picture in your head is like this dark and brooding shit, but they were actually like, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's just a, one stupid little example of what I'm trying to say about where Sabbath with Ozzy was right before they kicked him out. Cause it was just like, it was this, it was going up here and then it fucking just like, it fucking hit the ground hard and they got rid of Ozzy, and the timing was perfect because what they did with Heaven and Hell was metal was happening because of Black Sabbath, and you know what I mean. And like, uh, uh, well, uh, uh. no, but, but no, but listen though, because of Black Sabbath status as as a fucking like a classic band that okay. supposedly influenced a lot of people, right? like you had the Noabum thing happening, right? Yep. So yep. which which is obviously a product of you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Saxon, yada, yada, yada. So I think what I've always thought about Heaven and Hell was like, they're like, okay, you guys, we're going to show you, you know, we're, we're going to fucking join, we're going to show you guys how it's done. That's what I thought Heaven and Hell was to me. It's like, they were the fucking quote unquote, quote unquote creators of heavy metal. It was their chance to go, oh, okay, you guys, you know, the album is happening. We're going to show you fuckers how it's done. Right. That's what I, that, I saw that Heaven and Hell was an answer to what was going on right there. Right. You know what I mean? And the thing of it I, is... Yeah, do, do you consider Heaven and Hell to be a new Wobbum album? I honestly do. I, I, I really yeah. fuck Yeah, because it's people want to keep it separate because the thing about Black Sabbath, the people, oh, they invented heavy metal, yada, yada. People can say that all they want. But the thing of it is, though, is they 
they brought a heavier sound into the landscape of music, you know, but at the same time, I mean, you fucking had like, you know, priests with sad wings of destiny and sin after sin and stuff like that going on. That's why, that's why I always like, I bristle and uh, yeah, uh, it's valid. You know, know, I get, I get frustrated because I do, I do think you don't get metal without, without black Sabbath. Yes. Now I'll say that I'll say that all day, but you also don't get modern metal without Judas Priest. Hey folks, don't forget you can support Music the Lifeblood by buying some of our shit. Go to tchip.com and check out the MTLB Ultra Mega Store. Tons of fun stuff: coffee mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of shit. So you look cool for once. All right, fucking. Merch. Sabbath was heavy, but Priest was metal. Mm-hmm. And, well, it, I and mean, it's, it's interesting because there, I consider Priest and Sabbath to be peers. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of people always think that Priest came a generation after Sabbath, and I don't see it that way. Well, no, Rock, I don't. Rock and Roller was seventy two. 70, 71, 73, 72. And wasn't the the first Black Sabbath album was 1970, wasn't it? 69, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought, I thought it was 1970. Um, when, when that came out, I'll check, I'll do a, I'll do a quick fact check. We generally don't do fact checks when it comes to music, the light blood, because we don't care about facts. That's why (laughs) (laughs) we just say a bunch of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, 74. Um, so released summer, fall of 70. And then I think the first Sabbath album was 69, I believe. Damn. Okay. I mean, that's, that makes sense. But I mean, well, and well, I mean, Priest was doing their shit before Halford joined, though. I could like, be, I could be super wrong, though. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, but you know what? Whether first whether album, I'm... first album is 70. So we got a four year, we got a four year difference there. But, um, even with that said, Priest had been stewing and brewing in Birmingham for long before that. Yeah. Um, had been around working, doing the hustle, that sort of thing. So that's that's why I consider them to be peers. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, four year difference between release of first albums, but I just I think they're peers. I really do. Like just the same as. I think I think Def Leppard and Iron Maiden are peers. Ah, oh, yeah, you that know? one. Uh, yeah, I can I completely I completely stand behind that one. I mean, it's there's w- without question. I mean, my my thing not to get on a subject about your uh, top on the topic of uh, Def Leppard, but like the first three Def Leppard albums are just like fuck unfuckwithable, dude. Absolutely, yeah. God yeah, damn it, I, I I love those records. They're so fucking perfect. I just I just listened to High and Dry in its entirety today, dude. Yeah, and it's funny because like I uh, I find, well actually a few months ago I got I finally got onto the night on vinyl, mm. and uh, I've never Wait, which on- which version did you get? Did you get that that re release the colored version? No, I got the fucking it's 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 a uh, it's probably first or second press. It's a OG. Okay. Right on. And what was funny is the guy actually had an EP with Rock Brigade and Hello America on it for sale there too. Is this EP that they put out before it came out? Yeah. If it's if it's fucking still there, I'll try to snatch it up, dude, but it's, I've never seen it. It's it's got like yeah, 
it's like a it was like a like a promo like a four song promo ep that they did 12 and inch? yeah 12 inch and the only reason why i couldn't buy it is because it was in a new box of records that he hadn't checked in yet but yeah. he let me look he let, yeah so it's just like fuck i don't even know if it's if it's still there or not but i've never seen it before and i know that you you know i know you're a fan of that era yeah. so you know fan of that era sidebar huge, huge oh, fan oh. of that era yeah I'll, i thought I'll to... it was funny today because you and i you and i don't prep for episodes yeah which is great we just, we just go um and i thought today i i usually i usually pick a starting point that's what i always do today it was ozzy or dio um mm-hmm. seems like we're both going with dio right i mean yeah it's, it's, <laughs> but it's, by the way by the way yeah it's it but yeah yeah Anyway, I don't, we don't we don't do prep for the show, and there is I just I think of the first thing, and then that's what we go from. We go from there. And I thought today I was leaning towards a Def Leppard starting point for a little for a little while today, and I had thought because I was um, I was just thinking about Mutt Lang and all the stuff that he did with Def Leppard and um, how involved he was there for a little while, and just. Um, pyromania rolling into hysteria and and just hysteria rolling into adrenalize and just the sort of the takeover by Phil Collin, which was uh, Phil Phil Collin is deserves all the respect in the world. In my opinion, the dude is a the dude is a it, it like untouchable. You know, as far as he's one of those guys like George Lynch or Warren Mor- Warren Demartini. You know, he's one of those guys where like you don't play better. <clears throat> you know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And the <laughs> it's it's just funny because we were talking about Sabbath and Sabbath and Priest because of Bur- the Birmingham scene, and then there was Def Leppard in Sheffield, and it's it was different. It's I mean, it's still lower middle class, you know, working area the way that Birmingham was. But it was just strange how I when Mutt Lang got involved and I think I think there was I honest to God think there was a little bit of frustration with their terrestrial fan base because because of the new wave of British heavy metal that they did not embrace that the way that Iron Maiden did or Saxon or Angel Witch or whatever band. They just did not embrace it the same way. And they really, really went for North America. Yeah. You know, they, they had even put hello America on their first album, you know what I mean? So they came out of the gate sort of swinging in that regard. And I always thought it was interesting because I still wonder you know, what kind of a presence did they have as they were peaking in the UK when they were peaking elsewhere around the world? What was it like for them in the UK? You know, was there that still that little bit of frustration for the hardcore Maiden fans? And, you know, because they so much deviated from the the sort of original sound of On Through the Night and High and Dry. And even by Pyromania, it's mutt lane is off to the races you know by that point mutt lang is listening to the fucking human league and depeche mode and he's he's into that syncopated you know drum thing that you know wound up on pyromania those aren't those rick's not playing those drums on pyromania those are drum machines and programmed Mm -hmm. the only thing rick is playing is cymbals on pyromania and that's what it's it's so interesting because 
when you when you when you grab a song like Mirror Mirror off of High and Dry, Mirror Mirror is a very basic, you know, sort of standard rock song. Like a song like Foolin' or Photograph or Rock of Ages, it's still a rock song, but the but the accoutrement, the window dressing all over it makes it like it's a 180 degree difference. Mm-hmm. You know, they you could I couldn't there is no chance in hell, no chance in hell that Mutt Lang on High and Dry would have been able to convince Joe Elliott to okay a synthesizer on High and Dry. Yeah. There's there's no there's no fucking way it would have happened. So it always makes me when when it comes to Def Leppard, that's the thing I think about the most. That where did that switch happen? And I think because Pete Willis is all over Pyromania. His playing his playing is on there. He's on Pyromania. Most of the solos are Steve Clark and Phil. Because Phil joined joined the band as they were wrapping Pyromania up, so he only got on there to play uh, solos, not 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 much rhythm. So it makes me wonder: is it the introduction of Phil Collin, or is it Mutt sort of changing the direction he wanted to go in? Because Mutt was like, by the time they get to Hysteria, they had went through all the bullshit. You know, uh, Rick losing his arm and. They had burnt through two producers. Uh, Jim Steinman uh, had produced, tried to produce that album for a minute, and then they got the the engineer from High and Dry and On Through the Night, I believe. I can't remember that guy's name, but um, but it makes me wonder: Is it just Mutt? Is it just Phil? Is it the combination of Mutt and Phil? And I think that's what it is because I think one of the one of the one of one of the hardest things to kind of wrap your head around 
especially if you're a fan of the early Def Leppard catalog, is the disconnect between High and Dry and Hysteria. Yeah, I but I, I have but, Hysteria as well, and you're right. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to cross that bridge. Now, even by by way of comparison, Killers versus Somewhere in Time. And it still works for Maiden. Mm-hmm. It's, it still works because Sea of Madness, Wasted Years, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, um, Caught Somewhere in Time, just all the songs on there, they still retained what was uniquely Maiden on Somewhere in Time. Just the window dressing is different. So it always makes me wonder where the disconnect happened with 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 Def, Def Leppard and Def Leppard fans because like Metallica I think I think Metallica fans would have been okay with the Black album if the next album wasn't Load. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, the thing, so, the so that so that and but you know the same thing is that I think Def Leppard fans would have been okay with Hysteria if Adrenalize wasn't the next album. This is the thing I've always heard about uh about Def Leppard that might sort of touch on what you're saying, that when uh, um, when Pyromania came out, MTV was a new media, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they got pushed, allegedly, I heard, that they got pushed as, okay, you guys are the new, like, um, I don't want to say pretty boy, but kind of like the, you know, the, um, the, teen, the teen idol um, rock and roll band that, yeah. we can sh- that we can play on MTV four or yeah. five you know, fucking times every fucking three minutes. Because yeah. I remember, I mean, I'm old enough to where I remember when MTV came out and I saw the video for Rock of Ages and Photograph and, you know, and all that, like, you know, like many, many times a day. And I kind of think that maybe whoever was behind them management wise or whatever, or the label was like, you guys are in the perfect position to be the new face, you know, the the face of MTV, you know, or, or, well, or whatever, I, you know, I, I think, I, I think, I, I think, and if you look at the UK specifically, because Def Leppard popped in in North America way bigger than what they did in the UK. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with some of the, the, the sort of baseline foundational fans that were still, you know, kind of hooked into the new wave of British heavy metal because it was still happening in the mid eighties. It did, it didn't end during the early eighties. You know, a lot of those bands kept going and uh, a lot of those bands were very, very prolific, you know, angel, Witch didn't quite make it, you know, but Motorhead, 
Um, if if you count Motorhead, I do. I, I, I count Motorhead in the, the new album. But I think it's, I always think of Duran Duran and Def Leppard at the same time. Because I think, I think Duran yeah. Duran and Def Leppard are the same young girl. Mm-hmm. Except oh, for yeah. she, she's in junior high with Duran Duran, but she gets to high school with Def Leppard. I could see it. Yeah. So yep. It's it, they 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 the audience aged just enough to where they they would be okay with, you know, a slightly harder edge than what Duran Duran had because Duran 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 Duran's not heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 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 a a girl that a, a young girl a young teenager could could absolutely love um, Rio or the Reflex or girls on film or you know whatever from duran duran just as easily as she would like rocket or hysteria Mm -hmm. or or love bites songs like that so it makes sense in that regard but the you know from it you and i we we talk about it every now and then the the sort of class of 85 that that is the ignition point that pushes 80s metal over the edge, you know, Dawkins under lock and key, Motley Cruz Theater of Pain, and Rats Invasion of, pri- of Your Privacy. Mm-hmm. That's the class of 85 that really pushed that that era of music to critical mass, in my opinion. And it's interesting because 85 comes and goes, 86, and then all of a sudden it really, ooh, it goes boom, it goes supernova. And by the time we hit 87 with Hysteria, Hysteria is really interesting because I think it's well within the top 100 of great number of albums sold of all time. It's somewhere, it's somewhere up there. It's not quite Adele or Thriller, but you know, it sold a shit ton of, of copies. And by the time we get to 87, it's really, really interesting because Guns N' Roses is just right around the corner, you know, Mm. um, Appetite for Destruction was released at the end of 86. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have the sleaze scene that's starting to bubble. But you weren't going to get a an aging Duran Duran fan to listen to Guns N' Roses at that point. So they Def Leppard acts in that sense as kind of a, a crossover. Uh, a crossover point from, you know, overt 80s pop into 80s arena metal i guess (laughs) arena rock whatever you want to call it and then that falls into the harder edge stuff that came at the end of the decade yeah yeah i mean in uh, because in the seven in the in the 70s you had you know you had like uh sticks ario speedwagon boston journey right those were like the the arena bands and then of course you know you had you had kiss and then you had um zeppelin winding down you had uh, you know, Black Sabbath kind of going through their transition and whatnot, you know. It's really interesting to kind of see, you know, you used the term earlier, paradigm shift. And the thing of it is, is kind of like with, with Black Sabbath is um, I love Ozzy we're back, Harris. We're, we're, we're well, no, I, back around to Black Sabbath, I think. Okay, it's just I mean, funny. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 an, it's an, because it, it's an easy jump off and jump back point because um, you see kind of what happened to Black Sabbath throughout the seventies into the early eighties. And then you see what happened, um, you know, with, with bands like Def Leppard and the rest of the new album bands, a lot of those new album bands too, just because they exploded, you know, in, in the um, late or in the early, early eighties, those, a lot of those bands have been doing shit 
since the since the mid mid to early um since since the the mid to early uh um 70s right right so they weren't really new they were just new to the public you know what i mean yeah and just like when you know you hear about some metal band that's been around for 15 years gets voted you know best new band and you're like I've, I've got all their early shit, you know, from fucking 10 years ago, you know what I'm saying? And so I always think about, like, let's say when, when, uh, um, when Heaven and Hell comes out, and then when, when uh, Pyromania comes out, bands like that, people are just getting into it. There's people who are like, oh, I didn't fucking know that, that a guy named Ozzy sang for Sabbath. Yeah. Or I didn't know that fucking <laughs> that Def Leppard used to sound more like ACDC, you know. And, well, you know right. I mean? uh, well, given given it's funny because given the the sort of the state of affairs when Ronnie was in the band, you know, <laughs> you know, some of what's in Spinal Tap is based on that era of, of Black Sabbath. Easy, I think the, yeah. the there was a, Heaven and Hell had a big pop for sure, but. The tour, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was the touring for during that era of the band. It was rough sometimes. <laughs> you know, Stone Stonehenge specifically out of this is Spinal Tap. That's um, that's a that's a nod to Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's just it's just funny to like you can like it's just it's strange because like when you think you know when when that version of Sabbath reconvened to do Dehumanizer in the nineties. They um, it fizzled out so damn quickly. Yeah, and, and it, I think it fizzled out because there came a point during the tour where Sabbath got booked on the same bill with Ozzy, but Ozzy was playing later, and Ronnie was like, "I'm not opening up for Ozzy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing that." And that's how the dehumanizer era ended. <laughs> and that's how you get that one night of Rob Halford being like, "I'm going to sing for Sabbath." You know, yeah, <laughs> strange. So, how many how many albums did Dio do um, with uh, with Black Sabbath? Not counting the Heaven and Hell um, band so, called Heaven and Hell. So, Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, and Live Evil, and then D, he came back for Dehumanizer. Okay. <laughs>
that's why some people um, that are more of an Aussie Sabbath fan will actually favor favor the Aussie era simply because they had more albums. You know what I'm saying? They might they might go, okay, yeah, there was there was more stuff. There's more, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's almost unevenly matched because the it's less. It's just less mm-hmm. content. But what there is, you know, like I said at the top of the show, like I'm not I'm not going to back off that. I'll double down on it. I think the Dio era is leaps and bounds better than well, the 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 Aussie era. Quantity over quantity versus quality. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. because I mean, because you know, you've got like uh, what, what's that? What's that? That Sabbath album, um, Mechanical, whatever the fuck, the one with the robot shit Tec- on the front. Technical ecstasy. Yeah, and like I mean, uh, the uh, like, doesn't Bill sing? Wait, Never Say Die. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Never Say. Yeah, okay. he. D- but he does sing on Technical Ecstasy, I believe, as well. But um, but like you get like Never Say Die. People want to say that's such a great album. Well, no. What that is, is is for a while it was a hidden gem in the catalog because for the longest time you couldn't you couldn't find that album. I remember growing up in the 90s and stuff, you you know, I remember going into a fucking like Target or somewhere, going over to the tapes, and I'm like, what the fuck album is this? You know what I mean? And I'm just kind of like, never say die, you know what I mean? What it what it you know, and then but people want to go ahead and go, okay, no, it's actually really awesome, but at the time. It was, you know, Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die, those albums, you know, didn't stand up to the rest, you know? Te- technical Ecstasy, Bill sings a song on there. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's something. I think it's it's All Right. Is that something? Okay. Right? Sure. It's All Right, I think. I've I've literally listened to that album one time ever. Trying trying to pull it up real quick. Yeah. I'm just I'm just kind of scared of that era because I felt that uh um right okay. around yeah, Ozzy's Ozzy's on it. Um, Ozzy's on it, and Bill sings "It's All Right." Yeah, it's the album with Rock and Roll Doctor on it. Oh God, that song's terrible. Gotta be the Rock and Roll Doctor. Isn't Dirty Woman on that too? Like, there's like Dirty, like Dirty Women, Rock and Roll. It's just, it's just like, it's. I don't know, man. It, it was just an era where like they gypsy. I, yeah, they were confused, man, because they were. They were doom, you know what I mean? Like, you know, arguably people say that, you know, they they were more of like a, of a doom type era, but they didn't but they didn't call them doom when they were around in the early 70s. That was later, you know. I look, I I think that there's that ominous quality. Yeah. To that era of Sabbath for sure. You know, for for, you know, what is this that stands before me? You know, everybody always thinks of that, but uh, look, I like in Sweet Leaf, I guess, and Fairies Wear Boots, you know, some of Fairies Wear Boots. But I almost think that that era of Sabbath swings more than anything, you know, and a lot of it has to do with Bill's playing, Bill's right hand, and what geezers, mm. you know, because geezer will gallop sometimes, you know. So it's 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 a strange, strange concoction, you know what I mean? But I, th- I think at like like we said earlier, you know, Sabbath is heavy, Priest is metal. I don't think you get modern day metal without either of them. Yeah, true. I think I think they both equally contribute to the genesis of metal. But I th- I just think it's I I I don't I don't because they always they always get associated with doom and stoner and um 
you know, that that kind of genre of stuff, because there's a lot of copycat bands that just sound like Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. you know, with with Ozzy singing, especially in the doom and stoner genres. But I think I don't like it because at this point, I don't think we give that era of Sabbath enough credit overall. I just, I just don't I don't like seeing them only discussed or co- always consistently being discussed as only relative to the development of the doom and stoner genres. Yeah. Now, you know, I think it's I just think it's a shame, you know, even though I, you know, Dio era Sabbath is for me, that's that's my that's what I'm going to go with nine times out of ten. But even at the same time, as much as we do talk about Sabbath, I, it's almost like we talk. It's good that we're talking about Sabbath, but we don't talk about Sabbath in the right way. Yeah, that's that's a good point because, just like you said, they get like you know, someone talks about Stoner and Doom. Oh, yeah, Sabbath. Uh, okay, well that's great that you fucking whatever you you know where it may or may not have come from, right. you know. And and then when you talk about like heavy metal, I don't think a lot of people talk about the Dio era of Sabbath in in terms of metal as much as they talk about the solo Dio in terms of metal. Sure. But, uh, yeah. I would, I would, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I think, I think Dio on his own Dio band um, ha- had a bigger impact on, on metal overall than what Dio era Sabbath did. Yes. But I do, I do think equally important and it's, it's really interesting because when you look at the Dio catalog, the, you know, Jimmy Bain, Vinnie Appice, and Vivian Campbell though, on those first three out three albums. Think Holy Holy Diver, Last uh, in Line, Last in Line, and then Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart, I think, right? What was the next yeah. one? What is that? Oh. Um Okay. It's when Craig Goldie joined the band, right? Oh uh, shit. Um fuck. <laughs> I don't want to fact check it. I, don't I would look at my phone, but I'm currently looking at you <laughs> on it. So right, no, but, I'm not worried about. It. I'm not worried about it. But it's it's though that trifecta of first three Dio albums. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just what 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 really kind of fucks over like a lot of bands when they get compared is when you compare too close. You know what I mean? It's just kind of okay. You've got Sabbath. Sabbath was a product of of the '60s and of accidents and you know fucking weird shit. So they were they had character. They were rough around the edges. They were rough and tumble. You know what I mean? And then you get a, a band like Dio, like the Dio solo stuff, fucking precise. It's razor sharp. You know what I'm saying? And it depends on what your sensibilities are. Me personally, I mean, I I love you know I love I love a lot of metal. I, it's just I always tend to go towards the more raw, dirty, like fucking kind of broken, you know, it's got some fucking scotch tape on it, holding it together kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I gravitate towards like that, that, but I don't alienate stuff that's fucking razor sharp and tight, you know, and whatnot. Sure. It's just because I, I, I fucking love Judas Priest, you know what I'm saying? And it's like that band is fucking like, you know, they're, they, they're the gold standard for 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 metal, and I think you know that's just just me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like they they fucking built that house. You know what I'm saying? But like Black Sabbath is just I kind of look at Black Sabbath kind of in the same way, like the Aussie era, 
sort of the same way that I kind of look at like the, the pre Rollins era of black flag, you know, when they had Keith Morris and Dez and everybody singing, where it's just like, you guys are doing something, you know, <laughs> you know keep, keep it up. You know what I mean? Cause like people have argued and said that fucking black flag really wasn't a punk band in a traditional sense. They weren't really a hardcore band in a traditional sense, you know, it, you know, originally because they were just like, they were kind of a collective created by Greg Ginn and he would just bring bring in people that wanted to fucking play more or less. And, you know, and that's why he could have multiple singers because it wasn't about the fucking vocalist. You know what I mean? It wasn't about who the fuck was on drums. You know, yeah. it was you know, it was what it was about what he he wanted. And you got Black Sabbath and Black Flag. And to me, Iomi's always been Black Flag or Black Sabbath to me. And there's people that, that, that fucking think, that, oh, yeah, Ozzy's Sabbath. I'm like, no, he's not. Sabbath has always been Iomi. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I secondly, say, I, I, Iomi and Geezer. Yeah, G- yeah, because Ge- you know. Geezer. Well, okay, yeah, because Geezer wrote all the lyrics when Ozzy was in the band, and then Dio comes in. So did Dio write all the lyrics when he was in the band? I, oh. You know, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never bothered to look up the publishing. Yeah, I think, I think I probably should at some point, because um, that's something I do every now and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just funny when I crawl down like a Vinnie Vincent rabbit hole when I'm like. Scout, like I'm scouring the U.S. patent and trademark website looking for anything Vinnie Vincent room, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But it seems to me that probably a big chunk of the lyrics emanated from Dio, and I would imagine with as high of a driver as Ronnie had in his personality, if Ronnie, if if Ronnie said, "I'm going to write the lyrics." Yeah, I, I would imagine even if you were Geezer Butler, you would go, OK, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, because yeah, he actually could have been at a point where like, Jesus, finally, I don't have to write the lyrics now. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, it could have been it could have been a relief for him. But given that Geezer wasn't real involved with Heaven and Hell. Yeah, you know what True. I mean? It may mm-hmm. not. And when he did come back to the band, did his share get cut? You know what? What was the deal? You know, well, how did that work in the re- in that regard? Because Geezer was gone not too long after that. Because you know we do the we do the Born Again album with Ian Gillen, and then after that, shit starts to break apart. Yeah, you know, get through the Tony Martin era, and then Glenn Hughes for a minute, and then what's his name? And it, it just <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to set. Like I I think that. I don't, when Ozzy came back, 1999, does that sound right? Uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah. For, for, for that reunion CD that they did. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was. Nine, well, because they did, well, they did one, they did one tour with Mike Borden from Faith No More and Ozzy's band drumming. And then Bill came back. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then, uh, okay, and then. On the most recent album that came out in 2013, it's Tommy had- um, Tommy Clufetto's. Well, no, it's Brad Wilk from Rage. Brad Wilk, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Tommy Clufetto's playing for him live. What? Hey, uh, what era did Eric Singer play drums for Black Sabbath? I think Eternal Idol somewhere okay. in that, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, um, I can't. And- and didn't both of the Apa- Apice Apache boys play drums? 
for uh, Black Sabbath, both of them at one point. It's funny. It's funny. It's it's Carmine, Carmine a piece, but Vinny Appice. Yeah, they do that because <laughs> they, they don't like. Yeah, apparently they don't like each other or some shit. They still that's why they do that. But whatever. But I mean, God, dude. I mean, it's, I mean, they both look alike, and they both play about the same. Yeah. You know, I think I think Vinny, Vinny's a good drummer, but he is not a technician. Mm. At all. I've never really paid close enough attention because whenever I would see the that name a piece or a peachy or whatever on an album, I can never really tell which one was which. I'm, I'm like, which one? <laughs> which, which one was in Sabbath? Which That's one terrible. was in Cactus and Vanilla Fudge and blah blah blah? You know what I mean? Didn't and, Car didn't Car in Blue Cheer for a minute? Probably yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Fuck. And then then didn't he? He also God. He, he played, um, didn't he also play in Blue Murder, that band that was on Simmons Records that had fucking John Sykes or whatever on guitar? Wasn't he, wasn't he the drummer for that too? Maybe, maybe. God. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% certain, but he was supposed to play with Vinnie Vincent a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he even, even went as far to start doing press for the show. And Vinnie... Vinny in true Vinny fashion. You know what? I mean, obviously things we always end up talking about Vinny to some extent, but with 2020 being as fucked as it is and all the weird stuff that's happened, <laughs> Vinny, Vinny really could have pulled it out in 2020, dude. He could he really, make it, make it work. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the odds were against everything else, but the odds, I mean, it, it should have been in, in Vinny's favor in 2020. Because he didn't have to, fuck, he couldn't go anywhere, so he didn't have to really fucking fulfill any obligations right. to show up well, or I go think, anywhere. I think he had another one of his parties a couple weeks ago, didn't he? Jesus, I don't honestly, dude. I I I, I stopped keeping track after his fucking little birthday where he yeah, made all I, the food I and check shit. his I check his website occasionally, and I'll look at his his Facebook, and he posts so rarely on Facebook, but his website occasionally he'll update update his website and. I think he had one of his get togethers where it's like 20 people where like he's got like a, a folding table, a card table with like some dip and some chips mm. and, and he's got like some stuff he's trying to hawk displayed around the room. And he has a, you know, he's got a marshal in there and he kind of solos at you, you know, cause that's the best, that's the way <sighs> that, that's the best way to describe any Vincent soloing. It's just, <laughs> it just at you, you know? dig me <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, i i haven't seen any chatter about it i don't even know if it i don't know if it even ended up happening are we accidentally segueing into the next episode being about Vinny? oh god man B because we haven't done a fucking uh a, a fucking eye roll head shake a deep dive, slap a deep dive on Vinny. Yeah. I, I look, man. We've done, we've done a ton of stuff on Vinny on the Music the Light Blood podcast, and yeah. you know J Jake's going to be out for a while. Um, you know, life has taken over that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I don't know if we'll do one again, but I just feel like it's, it's always the same fucking thing with Vinny Vincent every <laughs> fucking time. It's uh. it's. Wouldn't it be awesome if dot, 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 or he should do dot, dot, dot. And then we go, 
he had a party with 20 people and it was $500 to go and he made the hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. And it's yeah. oh. like, and it's not like when you say party, because when you say like a rock star in a party, you're all like, oh shit, like strippers, there's going to be like a bear, you know, that you get to wrestle hanging out. <laughs> There'd be like a ball pit with oil, but no, it's like literally like a, uh, like a, like a 60 something year old old man who looks like your aunt who smokes too much. Yeah. And it, the bizarro Hillary Clinton. Uh, the best way I can think to describe it. Like literally <sighs> hanging out, being like, I made us some sandwiches. You know, <laughs> do you have like that guy in your area that um, had like a, a, not even a 15 minutes of fame, but like a dude in a band, like, it was in like an Indianapolis area band or whatever that his band's long gone, but he's still, you still see him walking around, popping up at shows, going to bars or whatever. Like a guy that was signed to a major label in the eighties or nineties or whatever, or that was in some kind of band that was hot shit for a minute, but then still kind of like, just, he's everywhere. Every, you know, every show or whatever. Like, do you guys have that guy, the fucking, the dude that was in a big band or, or, closely related to or involved in something that just no. holds on to that <laughs> well it's hard to no not really I mean, but i'm not trying like, to get you to throw anybody under the bus like, or, but I, i'm just kind of like nobody really comes well yes somebody does come to Vinny totally reminds me of even though he was in kiss and on an album he reminds me of that dude that got really close and like was you know had like it was on on an album and then um, just can't let go of that, but yet like doesn't want to let doesn't want to admit that he can't let go of it in a weird kind of way. <laughs> I you know, look okay, just, look so oh. so okay so everything you are saying yeah everything you are saying if you just backtrack and you said Vinny was in Kiss yeah Vinny was not in Kiss yeah, yeah that's and even that's, more pathetic. that's where that's where the disconnect happens. That's yeah. where it happens. Vinny, even... Vinny performed with Kiss. Yeah. But Vinny was not in Kiss. That's the yeah. that's the thing. It's like it's a technicality. It's a semantics thing, obviously. But like that, oh. <laughs> that, see, see what like, you just said drives my point home even more because I'm not gonna say any names, I'm not gonna name any bands, but there's a dude from my hometown whose brother was very famous, but his brother was famous because he played with a with a classic rock band for a very brief period of time and then passed away and so this his this guy that that's that's not deceased the 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 famous guy's brother plays drums and he ended up by just knowing people through uh through his brother hooked up with a gig with a band that is well known from the 70s and 80s but isn't ginormous but the thing of it is, he's holding on to A, his brother was this dude. B, I'm in I am in the fucking like the 20th incarnation of this 70s classic rock band. Right. Um, I'm fucking rad. And you need to know <laughs> this because of this loose connection that I have, you know, this fucking like, you know, and I always think of Vinny as that guy. Like he's saying, Oh yeah, he's at the blues fest again. He's over there. Yep, he's wearing his the t-shirt with his brother's band on it you know and just kind of like this just this pathetic just kind of like yeah we, yeah we we, we kind of remember you but you really want us to remember you 
but you don't want us to fucking know that you want us to remember you kind of. It's just like, it's just this really like, ugh. So it's just kind of like. It's I hard, kinda, man. It's hard ugh. for people to let it go. It's just. And, it's but it's just like when you're not. But when you didn't really do anything, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I, I'm fucking fully. I will fully like cop to it that like I've done some some fun things and accomplished some stuff <laughs> that I'm proud of in music. But I'm realistic, realistic enough to go, yeah, just because we opened for some big bands and we put out some some stuff on labels, my band was never shit. We weren't shit. I'm not going to walk around and expect you to fucking think, you know what I mean? Right. And it's just, but I'm sitting there thinking, you know, maybe if I was in Vinny's shoes, fuck yeah, I would, I was, I, I fucking was uh, employed by Kiss. You know what I mean? I, I worked for Kiss. <laughs> I was you know? employed by Kiss. Yeah. Dude, there's a, a guy that I um I, I can say this now because he's passed away, and this is no disrespect to the dead, but a guy I know um it, he was he was relatively decent friends with Todd Youth, and he was talking to him about when he was in Danzig, and he goes, "Oh, you were in Danzig?" He goes, "You're never in Danzig. I worked for Danzig, and I love my job. You know what I mean? Right. So Vinny, Vinny's whole situation is different, but it's just like, but then. Which is you get these people that hold on to like something with, when they didn't really, they didn't keep it going. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you were on Lick It Up and you know whatever you did this whatever, and you were involved in the unmasking of, but you didn't really do anything to keep it going. You didn't do shit really. Yeah. And let's just fucking call this one of class, one of Carter's classic fucking circlebacks. <laughs> you look at Ozzy. Ozzy didn't do shit. Uh, you know, well, uh, Oz, Ozzy. Ozzy was a fucking amazing front man. He was crazy. He did his stuff or whatever, but like he was being propped up and then he was being propped up by the people around him, blah, 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 blah. They were trying to keep him from killing himself. That's what made fucking Ozzy era Black Sabbath so much fucking fun. To me, the craziness and what the fuck Vinny did and what Vinny brought to the band and Paul Stanley telling him to fucking, you know, stop soloing live and shit like that. That's what I love about Vinny as well. I fucking love, there's that, that aspect. It's not even like this morbid curiosity or like looking at it like a fucking reality show. It's just like, I love the fact that like people like Ozzy Osbourne and, you know, Vinnie Vincent, you know, and even you know, these people were just kind of like, they were, they weren't like out of control, like woohoo crazy. They were just like, they were in their own fucking world. And, <laughs> and like most people, it's just like, okay, wow, I'm just going to sit here and watch because there's no, there's no getting through to them. You know what I mean? Right, and, right. you know, and so that's, that's just kind of how I, how I see the, you know, you know, like the Vinnie Vincent thing in the Black Sabbath. And that's why I love rock and roll music and why I love metal. And I, you know, I love punk because if some of these bands didn't have those, those fucking elements of yeah. the motherfucker that's on their own planet, whether they're on drugs or not, it's fucking awesome. I love it, dude. Cause like you get fucking like, it was like Henry Rollins said that like, like Iggy pop, does what he does because he can't do anything else. Not like he's terrible at other things, but just like he's he. That's what he does. He's a fucking you know. Could you could you see him fucking you know scooping ice cream or fucking you know or fucking you know delivering pizzas or fucking selling you a car? You know, no. That's what you're born to fucking do. Right. You know what I mean? And Ozzy was born to be Ozzy. You know, and fucking Vinnie Vincent. You know he you know, was fighting his demons and, and both of them are fighting demons, you know, and you see that. And then when you get someone like fucking Dio and then like, you know, Black Sabbath, like what he brought to Black Sabbath, it was just kind of like, I almost kind of wonder if like, if Iommi was like, fuck, 
this is how I've always wanted it to be. You know what I mean? This is like what Dio's do. This is what I fucking I've always wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's and they didn't change with the times. They fucking got to the point like, cool, I can finally do what I fucking want to do. Yeah. I think, well, I think that tells you why Tommy Thayer has a job. Yeah. And Vinnie Vincent doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think and Bruce and Bruce Kulick too. That's why Bruce Kulick occupied that. There is there is there is something to be said for people in bands that show up, clock in on time, do the work faithfully, and don't cause a bunch of shit. Mm. And that's your Bruce Kulick's and Tommy Thayer's of the world. Yeah. The, those guys, those guys make being in the band easier. And if you've ever worked a job with someone that wasn't working as hard as you, you got irritated about it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's frustrating because you feel like I'm doing all the work and mm -hmm. you're, and you're drunk. Yeah. You know? see, yeah. <laughs> And that, and that, and that's when you, what you get, like you know, because uh, I watched the the Nine Lives of Ozzy recently and stuff, and and he just like man, he, you know, he went through some shit, but it was, but mo most of it was self inflicted. I mean, yeah. he was ma he's married, he's got two kids before he was with Sharon and stuff, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a fucking attentive dad, and they got divorced, you know, he started over and everything like that, and just kind of, and he, you know, he admits, you know. Yeah, I was, you know, I was, I was a piece of shit. I was, you know, I was selfish and I did this, this and this, you know, and then it's just kind of like the, the number one thing you got to realize is like, you know, how we talked about like separating the art from the artist. You, you look at a band like Sabbath era or Ozzy era Sabbath and you only know like part of what you've heard and what you've read. Then you look at like what they, what they evolved into um, with Dio and you only know what you've heard and what, what you've read. And I think as a fan, you should just go with, okay, well, was their musical output um, quantity, you know, uh, like quality, you know, was there, was what they did live, did it, um, you know, did it serve the, you know, the, the recorded outcome? Did, did I get my money's worth, you know? And I think that's the biggest problem with, with Sabbath is so many people want to kind of look at the, um, the behind the scenes and like the fucking like the crazy Aussie era and these kind of things. But when you hold, you know, even though there was only three albums or whatever, the the Dio era Sabbath up to like right next to the um, the Aussie era Sabbath, it's without question that that shit just fucking like you know there there's opinions people have their preferences, but in what they delivered with Dio, just fucking smoked everything that they fucking delivered with with Aussie. Hands down, you know what I mean, and yeah. that's just—I mean—I think that's probably a good good place to stop. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I don't want to talk about Vinny. Yep, we're done with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All, right, well, all, this was, uh, all it does is make you depressed. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really it makes me want to listen to Lick It Up because I fucking love that record, you know, and uh, um, oh, you know, breaking news. Yeah, dude, it's fucking it's fucking phenomenal. I need to get a new copy of it. I don't know if I told you, but like. Somehow, my fucking copy of it's cracked. Like it's it's weird. Oh, yeah. like, I remember you telling me. Ah, uh, it's fucking irritating. And I, I kind of want to buy the 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 one that's on Kiss Online, but it's just like I, I'm just I'm just a sucker for like you know 
80s pressings of, of 80s Kiss albums. It's just, it feels weird buying like a, well, they, uh, they, they did a re-release of, um, or a reissue of Hot in the Shade recently on Blue Vinyl, yep. I saw. And yep. I'm going to, I'm probably going to snag that up because I, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 90s copies or whatever are super expensive now. And there's like a fucking, like a, like a South American uh, version that keeps popping up that I see on Discogs that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can go on. We'll have to talk about record collecting some sometime. Yeah. Yeah, we but, should. Uh, but, Thanks. I'm not getting in the South American kiss game. I'm not. Doing nope. It. Nope. Yeah. I think my, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think my fucking phone's about to die actually. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, uh, yeah, go listen to heaven and hell, I guess. That's oh, yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. Heaven and, hell. And, and also, uh, I've got live evil on double vinyl. It's fucking amazing. Even though for people that are big, you know, Aussie fans, they do a lot of Aussie era stuff and it's, it's amazing. It's a great lot. Live evil. That's, great. That album is one of the, one of the, the greatest tragedies of all of rock and roll mm. because they had to cut a bunch of the songs short. Wow, that sucks to get, to get it to to get it to fit on there, and and it's just like <laughs> uh, sign sign of the Southern Cross. I think is cut cut really short. That's rough, and it might be it might be heaven and hell is cut short too. I think I'm, I'm not sure. Gonna... I, haven't, I haven't listened to it for a little while. I just like hearing Ronnie James Dio sing "Children of the Grave." Mm-hmm. It, it's more fitting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, All right, man. All right. Uh, do we know what we're gonna do next episode? I have no fucking idea. No, don't don't want to even bother. Okay, all right. I got it gave, I got an idea. You gave I, me an idea. So okay, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you roll with that idea. Maybe maybe we'll we'll uh we'll kind of like we'll take turns and see what happens. We'll we'll throw some shit to, you know throw some shit together on the uh, um on the message thread and kind of you know bounce some shit. And any any of you um you know uh, ultra mega militia people, if you guys have any idea like anything you guys want us to talk about or debate or whatever. Um, shoot us a, you know, a message on, you know, uh, in, in, the, in that group or on the, um, you know, on the, the I guess there's a group page and the group message. Yep. Just yeah, let us know. Yeah, the yeah. MTLB Ultra Mega Militia group. Um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, I go on there pretty regularly. Yeah, I try yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, I pop and, in there pretty regularly. So. And buy our merch because um, I need, I, yeah, buy, buy our merch at the fucking the Ultra Mega Merch store. I'll put a, I'll put a, I'll, I'll put in an advert for it at the yeah. beginning of the episode. So all, yeah. all the, all designs done by me and Derek. So you'll, you'll love them guys. Yeah. The, the knives one is amazing. The, nice. I put it, uh, I put a, put that screen print on an orange long sleeve t-shirt. I saw that. That looks sick. It's cool. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So same bat time, same bat channel next time, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Thirsty Thursdays. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, music light blood, something old, something new. What are you listening to, Dio? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>